Hi, I'm Shukri Gulani, welcoming you to Raise the Line with Osmosis from Elsevier, an ongoing exploration about how to improve health and healthcare. We like to let our audience know about tools available to help them deliver the best care possible. And to that end, we're happy to welcome Dr. Bruno Laguero to the program. He's the Executive Director for Digital Products Designed for Doctors and Medical Students at AFIA, one of the largest medical education groups in Brazil. Its tools help medical students and practicing clinicians provide enhanced healthcare services across clinical decision-making, electronic health records, e-prescribing, telemedicine, and patient relationships. Bruno is the co-founder and former CEO of PebMed, which AFIA acquired in 2020, whose white book mobile app is used in tens of millions of patient encounters annually. I'd like to thank Ramez Magdashi at Bertelsmann for the intro to Bruno. So Bruno, thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Shiv. Thank you for inviting me to be in the show. I'm really happy to represent here Brazil, doctors from Brazil, entrepreneurs, and everything else. Yeah, no, we're very happy to have you on as well. And I've known Afia for some years. I'm very impressed with the traction that you all have achieved. And your story is, is somewhat similar in that you started this when you were in med school. You started in PebMed. So maybe for our audience who doesn't know your story, maybe you can just tell us what got you interested in medicine and then ultimately switching over to entrepreneurship. Oh, great. I started, I went to medical school 2007 here in Brazil in a, in a school called UFI, UFF. It's a federal university. It's something different from the, the U.S. here in Brazil. The, the most popular schools are from the government. And during my medical school, I always have been interested in different things besides medicine, not just only the, the part of medicine that we see, usually that means stimulated by the medical school. And during this, this medical school, I met some two guys, Pedro and Eduardo, that became my partners. And Pedro, he was my classmate, and he was exactly like me, really interested in other things. And in 2011, around 2011, 2012, he was a monitor of semiology for younger students. We were in the last year of medical school. And Pedro was a, a guy really interested in technology. He he uses to have in 2012 the iPhone 3. That's something rare in Brazil back that time. Smartphones were getting popular in those years. Pedro noticed that the younger students were taking to the bedside of the patients some notes, some books, some some papers that wasn't really nice for that patients to, to have those things around there. And he was looking to the smartphone and saw a lot of apps of matching, most from the U.S., not Brazilian apps. And he started thinking how, how he could put those uh, information that the students bring to the bedside inside uh, the smartphone. So he just started to study about how to create a simple app in 2012. And so he went to YouTube, these kind of things, and started to learn by himself. And he created a simple, very simple app, like an ebook, almost like an ebook. And he gave to the students or the, the semiology students. And there were something around 70 students, but after like a month, there were like downloads, something like this. And Pedro got really surprised because he did it, making marketing for other for the students and everything. And he decided to to put a price on the app because before that he was for free for the students. And he put like for one dollar and People continue to download this, you know, like $2, continue to download this, $4. And he noticed there were some demands about uh, apps in Brazil for doctors, for medical students with information. 
So she called me and said, Bruno, do you want to create apps? There was something really strange for, for a medical student in the last year of college, of course. And But I said yes, because I, I, I was a partner of Pedro. We went to different places, made articles. We made internship in the US and Texas. And uh, let's go. Let's make this some apps. <laughs> and we started to create apps. And we, we met Eduardo, our other partner. He was also a classmate, but, but he went to different classes than us. And he was like a note master. He was the guy who created the notes, the, 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 the things that were where the students from USF uses to study. And we, we thought like, we should ask for Eduardo give their notes so we can put inside the, the apps because he's the note master. And we create, started to create apps in the last year of our medical school. And from 2012 until 2015, we, we finished the medical school in 2012, and then we went to the residence, went to internal medicine residence. So it was really crazy times. We were creating apps like during night shifts, during Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like weekends a lot. We spend our time on this. Our girlfriends were going crazy back that time. We started to create like, uh, we created something like around 20, 25 apps during that time, between 2012 and 2015. It wasn't really a company, but we were creating something for ourselves, like young doctors. We created apps for decision-making on ICU, for studying electrocardiogram, for making decisions for emergencies. So basically we were like three young doctors in residence that saw some problems. So we need to create an app for this with information for making decisions. And that's how we started AdMed. Wow, that's awesome. Very A lot of obvious parallels to what we did at Osmosis, but also internationally, you know, we've had some friends like Sievert Weiss at Amboss on the podcast talking about him and his colleagues in German medical schools developing Amboss. And so it's pretty cool to see, you know, kind of this convergent evolution uh, across different countries. But there are there are regional differences, clearly. And I'd love to get your take on, before we go more into PebMed and Afia, your take on the Brazilian medical education system and, you know, you went through it, you've built products that are used by hundreds of thousands of physicians across Brazil and Latin America. You know, what, what are the strengths and weaknesses of the Brazilian healthcare system in, in your opinion? Medical school in Brazil are uh, is focused on, on the healthcare characteristics of the Brazilian system. So we have here public health really strong. So Brazil has 200 million people. And I believe that 150 million people is totally depends on public health system and 50 million people is using like the private has some some opportunity to access this so of course there is some difference in between that those numbers because you can make people change from from part from another but the big point is we have a lot of poor people here and we have a, a huge country with a huge difference between the cities and the states and other characteristics from culture besides one state to another and that's really important for the, the medical school because you have to learn like how we meet, how we make the medicine of top class decisions for for patients with the best tools for diagnosis and treatments. And we have access to this because we have great hospitals in Sao Paulo, Rio de Janeiro. So the big cities, the rich cities of Brazil have like top hospitals that are almost the, the same level from the U.S., for example. But also you need to learn how you're going to give the assistance for the more poor people. So the basic assistance for them and other solutions for them. So we spent six years in, six years in medical school 
there you go through the the basic learning to the, the start to learn about the disease and the pathologies about the the clinics and then we have the two last years focus on an internship where you get the practice stuff that i really noticed that were different from the us for example in the medical school is that brazilian doctors usually get they get graduate more ready to go to the practice so during the school we go a lot to the internships we make a lot of procedures start to learn how we're going to make some procedures we do it by ourselves we start to to see some patients with other staff and then we go to the residence we are we are ready ready to to get the patients and to go to the practice and go to this scenario where we have no no choice and we have to face in this and that's why when we created our products focus on decision making was so important for brazilian young doctors because in truth one day you are sleeping your your medical student and the other day we have like the, the permission to to work in a hostel so we go to a, a specific zone with an emergency emergency room department and you have all the kids in front of you and you have to start to work with that and 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 be the best doctor as possible we have great schools we are we are focused in brazil to bring more doctors because we have a need of more doctors in brazil we have a lot of programs from the government stimulating doctors to come to brazil and we have some concentration of course of the doctors in, in the big cities and when so when you look to the, the the big cities the capitals of the states we have all the specialities a lot of doctors first world class of attention for patients when you go to the countryside to remote areas for example the middle of amazon or something like in the middle of our northeast of brazil a really poor region we have some uh, necessity of more doctors and the hard thing about this is that how we stimulate a young doctor so like a top quality professional with uh, a lot of study on this sometimes with some debt about the, the the college to go to move from like the big city to the to the countryside so the government's trying to to be more provocative about this to create some programs to make those people to access that parts and also with the, the telemedicine becoming more common here the pandemic already make this really popular here in brazil telemedicine we have a lot of people working with this I think we got more access for people from other parts to those doctors as well. So I think that's the, the difference in the characters of Brazilian medical schools and, and how the healthcare system is is created. Yeah, no, that's great. There's a lot of lot of commonalities as well, including the the focus on how do you get clinicians, you know, many of whom you know come from come from the cities because that's where a lot of the educational systems are to get into these schools, to go into these rural areas and then stay there. That's a big challenge here in the U.S. And just literally this week, I gave a talk to, we work with several med schools in Thailand and the Thai government is trying to do the same thing. So I think, again, it's one of those consistent themes across the global healthcare system. So take us back to 2015, you know, you, from 2015 to 2020, you grew PebMed and, you know, you had this collection of apps, uh, including the Whiteboard app, which I'd love for you to talk a bit, bit more about. What were some of the highlights of that that period, that five-year period, and then since becoming part of AFIA, can you talk us through like the last several years? Okay, so as I was talking with you, between 2012 and 2015, we started the company and we started to develop different apps. So it was crazy times. We were creating apps by our thoughts, no methodology. We, we were like just young doctors, make the residents, making night shifts, 
and try to create something that work good for us. And in truth, those 25 apps that we created, five of them were really good and really popular. We sell a lot. Ten of them were like, okay, somebody will buy for it. And 10 of them, I, I believe that even for free, nobody wants that. So there were like no methodology so we created by our, ourselves or what we need. In 2014, just right before 2015, 2014, we, we met a guy in a startup competition in Brazil. So startup scenario in Brazil is, is some years late than the U.S. So it's more immature in 2014 in Brazil than the U.S. And that that back that time there were no not too much doctors creating companies or creating startups something like this. So we went to this competition, the startup competition, just to see how it's gonna be. We didn't have any intention. We just want to be doctors. I want to be a cardiologist back back that time, and I, we met a guy that became a mentor for us. His name is Rafael. He got really impressed to see three doctors in a startup competition showing some products. And that products, they had some traction. The, the products were growing and make sense. And, and the doctors were just giving a part of their time on this. And Rafael became a mentor, started to help us. He's an engineer, so he, he, he think different from a doctor. And he started helping us to get some more methodology in the company. And Rafael started to... to, to Keep seeing us like you guys should take a break in medicine and give like a sabbatical time, full time with the company, dedicating on the company, uh, full time. You should do this. And we just left back that time because for us, just it was like more a hobby than a company. And he just keeps saying this, keeps saying this. And he introduced us to an acceleration program called the 21 212. 21-22 was a accelerator that existed here in Brazil with, with partners from Rio de Janeiro. That's 21 number, phone number. And 212 partners from New York. That's the, 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 the phone number from New York. And we started to, we went to this accelerator and it, it was really, really interesting because we, we went to the first meeting, like giving no, no, no belief that we would do it, do the acceleration programs. And after one talk, we got lots of, oh, there is something there. People people want to see us here. Let, let's try that. So we finished internal medicine residence in the beginning of 2015, in March, and we went to the acceleration program. And it was the turning point of Padman. Because when we got to the acceleration program, we started to meet people from design, from computer, from engineering software, from legal parts and financial, and start to have some methodology of developing products. And the first thing that we noticed that it should do was to kill all the 25 apps and create a new product. And we went to interview those users, like we interviewed something around 100 users, and we started to learn what was the best thing, what was the pain that we were solving with those 25 apps. And we took the best parts of those 25 apps and put some sauce, some more sauce on this, some add something more, and it created the white book. And we launched the white book in October of 2015, uh, and it became really success. Because the white book was a complete decision-make app with more than 10,000 topics for making decisions on the backside, with text, with videos, with calculators, with algorithms for decision. 
And we make a change, important change back that time as well after business model, because it was one time fee business model before 2015. And that was really hard to escalate to, to make the scaling of the company. And we changed it for subscription. We were really lucky with this tiny change because in 2015 was the time when Netflix, Spotify, those guys were coming to Brazil. So people started to learn they should pay for a subscription for an app, for example, to get more content for for, for, for access to those apps. And the company started to, to, to grow from 2015 when we launched White Walk. In 2016, we launched a website called Portal Pad Mad. It, in the beginning, it was just like a, a blog for me, content market for White Book, but really, really, really fast, it became a product as well. It was an update site with information for doctors, with guidelines, news, things that were for interest for doctors. And in 2018, we launched Nursebook, the version of White Book for nurses. And with these two, three products, the company grew a lot. We never get back to the, the the traditional medicine, if I can say so. We keep it in our sabbatical year since 2015 until, until now. And it's really hard to have to explain every year to our mothers. Right now, they, they understand, of course, and just kidding. And it was really hard because during this, this time, if you can remember, I think that's Difference from your story, for example, she, we finished the medical school, went to residence, we, we worked as a doctor. I, I worked in different hospitals in Brazil, and it was like a huge dilemma. Should I leave the medicine, the traditional medicine, the assistance, to see the patient to this new thing as an entrepreneur? But in truth, in fact, how I, how I learned about this is that I still being a doctor. I was just a different doctor. I was helping thousands of doctors in Brazil. So today, for example, White Book is used by 200,000 doctors in Brazil. We have in Brazil 700,000 doctors in medical schools. And 200,000 use it every month. And last year, we reached 30 million different patients through Doctors who make decisions using White Book. So I even couldn't imagine if I can see 30 million different patients. So I still thinking that I'm a doctor, I'm just a digital doctor doing different things and helping those guys, how they make better decisions. And it's really a pleasure because we received a lot of stories, guys from different remote parts that were right in different situations. And they just need to make a decision for their patient. They don't have all the tools because, as I said, we have a lot of different scenarios working as a doctor in Brazil. And they just access White Book and they have, like, ideas for it. They have patterns. So I'm really happy to be part of this transformation of medicine in Brazil. Yeah, congratulations. It's an incredible journey and, and legacy, really, regardless of, you know, what you do next, you know, people are still going to be using White Book and, and you know, you're going to be helping millions of patients indirectly and, and, and likely directly again in the future. And so many shared lessons as you're talking about the importance of a mentor who helps kind of show you the ropes as you as you try professionalizing your side project, the importance of talking to your users and, and understanding what features to kill or apps to kill and what features to keep and, and grow, you know, expansion into other areas beyond medicine into nursing into you know patient facing material etc so tons of shared stories that our listeners will have heard bits and pieces of from the osmosis story but also from you know my friend who runs md calc joe habush i think has very similar sort of built-in app with all these clinical decision tools for the u.s market 
What are some of the lessons you'd want to give our listeners, many of whom are currently in school, or maybe they're also doctors or nurses who are trying to be entrepreneurs as well? Like, What are some of your key take-home lessons for, for them? That's a great question. And I, I, I can say that I love to answer that question because I, I give a lot of talks to medical students, to physicians. They always invite me because they love white book. White book is really popular here. And they really love to hear from me how it was, how what they should do, and, and how they can score this new thing as being a, a tech entrepreneur and education entrepreneur. And I usually say that we see a lot of opportunities as a doctor, as a medical student. We just don't give the right attention on this. The, the, first, the first lesson that I want to give it to you is that every day you have a pain to soap in your work. You can see that. It's a small thing that you sometimes just let it go or just think, oh, it's not that way. But in truth, as a doctor... As a medical student, as a healthcare professional, we know what the bad things of the healthcare system. We live this. We, we better than us. There is nobody. When you talk to an engineer that is creating a health tech, they usually have some idea how we're gonna make this solution. But we have like the experience of being on this, and that was the difference of my story. Just remember, we started this as a monitor project, and then we start to create apps for residents, for young doctors. And then we keep evolving this as we reward doctors and bring doctors to our company to share their problems, how they're going to make decisions. So the, the first advice is give attention for the, big, the small problems that you see in your life, the small problems that you see in your hospital, in your, your daily learning, the medical school. Probably the sort of shit yeah, have the similarity of this. It just gives you attention for a small problem of learning. So that's how we create those old movies. That's the, the first lesson. The second lesson for me is that being an entrepreneur is not for everybody. It's a hard one. I know this. It's sometimes not popular because people want to hear that everybody can be a huge entrepreneur with success. That's a lie. It's really hard. It's really, really hard to be an entrepreneur. That I'm not saying that you can't be this. If you really want, you have to know you have a price to pay for this. It's going to be hard. It's not, probably it's not going to work for the first time. I really see myself as an accession. I see, I'm really lucky about this. I'm really lucky because, in truth, I have a lot of friends, good entrepreneurs, even companies that invested, that didn't work, that went to failure. And that is normal. So you have to know the price that you're going to pay to be an entrepreneur. And that's, in truth, it's a good place to be an entrepreneur because you usually think about this this tech entrepreneur, this Mark Zuckerbergs and everything else, but we can make a be entrepreneur investing in main force. You you already gonna be entrepreneur for your life as a doctor. So you have to give attention to your career as a doctor to, to create the right path. You create you can create companies on the most traditional ways, or you can make disruption. But in truth, to start your company, you have to that knowledge that it's gonna be hard. And the third lesson for me, the, the, the greatest one is to give attention to other things. It's really common when you go to the medical school, you just go to like a line where you have to follow this. Everybody's doing that. Our veteran is doing that, so I need to do this. We have a lot of documents around being a doctor, like you should do this. If you don't do that, you're going to be like the worst doctor of the world. That's a lie. You should give attention for other things. You have to have different interests. You have to start to be interested in tech 
you have to be interested in culture things, in, in music, in arts. If you start to study financial things, it's going to help you a lot. So be open-minded about this. Be open-minded. Start to learn new things. Give attention to other things that you that you'll be pleasurable. It's probably going to learn things from different areas, and you're going to bring this to medicine. Because medicine, in the, in the most important aspect, is a human it's a human science. So it's all about human. So when you talk about financial, when you talk about grid technology, when you talk about laws, that's all the things that support the human being. But medicine is that like the essence of this, it's like the soul of this. So you have to bring the other things to medicine. So that's the best way that you're gonna problem solve the problems of medicine, you're gonna change this. That's amazing advice. Really, really helpful. I, I think hopefully we can get some snippets of that out to our learners because, you know, everything from making, you know, really noticing problems, because I, I agree, like many of my classmates and people in general are so burned out by the studying or the practice of medicine that they get these frustrations and they take it as this is the way it's always been. This is the way it always needs to be, as opposed to maybe diving a little deeper and saying, why does it have to be this way? And And, and maybe you know, that that question can be very dangerous because that that could be the next five years of your life or 10 years even, but it can also be very fulfilling as, as both you and I have experienced. And the second, you know, the, the last piece of advice that you shared that I think is amazing is is the, you know, creativity and innovation, I think, do come from combining things from different fields. So an engineer, you know, who studied 10, 20 years as an engineer and then goes to medicine is able to combine those two expertise areas. And that's where innovation comes from. And they develop a prosthetic or a brain-computer interface, whatever it may be. So that's wonderful advice. And I want to be respectful of your time. So I only had two, two or three other questions. The first is just, you know, what are you, how do you think about AI? We've obviously been doing a lot to cover AI over the past several months. We had the chief data scientist at Stanford, the chief clinical officer at, at Google, and people like Eric Topolon, the podcast. You know, how are you thinking about AI, both as a physician entrepreneur, but also specifically for, for White Book or Afia in general? Great. AI is the... I, I, I hope that's not going to be just a hype. Uh, of course, it's something more solid and have been studied for decades in truth. But right now, I think it's it's getting more easier to us to see this working with the Gen AI, the, the tool that were launched in the last one year. And I think matching what be different from other sectors. Maybe the difference is that when you are launching something disrupted in medicine, you always have to be really careful about the, the other people's lives. And this is a really important aspect. And we think that we doctors and healthcare professionals have this knowledge from the medical school. So when I think about AI and medicine and decision-making, I think about the super doctor. That's how I define it. I really believe that that AI is not gonna take the, the doctor's place. I don't I don't see that scenario where you just talk with an AI as a patient and the AI make all the decisions for you, how it's gonna be your treatment, it's gonna make a surgery or something like this. But I see the doctors working in a better way using the AI. So I really believe that AI is gonna help doctors to organize more the information to catch the information with more completion, with more, with more details. I really see the, the, the AI helping doctors to create the different diagnoses with more information that usually we can process in our, in our clinical decision models. 
I see the doc the, the AI empowered the doctors to be better doctors. And when the doctors get empowered by AI, in my perspective, they have more time to spend in what we we believe that doctors should do. That's the connection with their patient, the connection with their friends, the human aspect of the medicine. So you just said like the doctors are getting burned out. The doctors always question themselves about should I be doing this? I made the right choice. And we are really pressured to make choices when we are young, choices that are going to change our life for the next 40 years. And I think part of this, just because we have spent a lot of time in the wrong things. We don't spend time in the good things of medicine. We don't spend time in understanding the disease and spend time with the patient explaining about this and better being better giving some some thoughts the right thoughts for the patients we, we spend time like doing bureaucracy we spend time with the the, the annoying parts of medicine and that's take out the, the bright side of medicine that's lost the purpose how why we choose to be doctors and that's what Brazilian doctors, American doctors are getting right now. The doctors got a lot of, a long time of working. They spend a lot of time in the hostels, but they spend a lot of time in the hostels doing the wrong thing. So I believe the transformations come to make the more an easier flow for doctors to, to give the annotation for their patients. And we are starting to use these right now in white booking office, focus on how we're going to make decision making more easier. We really believe in this aspect that we call how we're going to make a superpower tool for the doctors so they make, can make decisions with better learning from the, the AI, with the information that they provide for the AI, and with more assertivity about how we're going to make decisions for their patients. And with this scenario, I really believe that we can give more access for the, the, the right treatments. We can make predictions about how gonna when it's gonna happen new pandemics, for example. So I really believe that when we're gonna mix the AI with the decision make, we're gonna start to process some data to make the medicine more, how can I say this, make medicine more closer to make decisions before the things happen. Yeah, no, make it being a little more proactive as Peter Atia talks about Medicine 3.0, where we're able to use this big data, not just to understand conditions, but to proactively intervene before they become harder to treat, so more preventable. That's awesome. I'm glad. I, I also share your optimism for how AI can make the job of being a clinician easier. And ultimately, what's most important is the, the patient outcomes, right? The, the outcomes of our public health. Let's see, the last two questions, general advice for our audience, right? Not all of our audience want to become entrepreneurs or go into tech or education. You know, what, what general advice would you give to them about approaching their careers as clinicians or careers in general? Most of the things that I learned were, were during the, the hard times. You know, I have a success story. I started a company. It got a really good product that became famous and we were acquired in 2020 by Asia. It was great to become an executive of a huge company. But when I look back, the, the important things I learned during the hard times, during the, 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 the times where I thought that everything went, were, were going wrong. And I have a lot of, I had a lot of sympathy about these reflections, about taking a look about this. So the first thing, is this generation being more resilient about the, the hard times, the resilient about the things, and start to learn that the things take their time to, to be good. 
And some things that, that usually don't go well, I have to just be patient about waiting for the next time and be really open-minded, as I said before, to make different choices or to move, to, to, to quit things or to change things. So just remember, we created 25 apps and probably when it got to the 2122, we were totally decided that it was the best decision. And when they started to ask us to kill the apps and to focus in a new thing, we got really terrified about this. But it was the right decision because we have to make a, a, a change in our life, make a, a pivot on this. The same when I decided to give a time on the, the traditional medicine, on the assistance to the patients, to dedicate myself full time for, for that. And... I really think that we should be really, really open to these provocations that we got from mentors, for older people, from people that have been passing for difficult times. And we have to be open to change ourselves. That, that's the, the biggest advice that I can do. That's awesome advice. Very aligned with stoicism, which we talk a lot about on this podcast, that the obstacle is the way, as Ryan Holiday wrote about in his book. And and just being, being grateful for the challenges, the frustrations, the, you know, because you know, the the wiser version of you realizes that it was those hard times, as you've said, that contributed most to your personal and professional growth. Last question, anything else you want to share with our audience before we let you go for the rest of your day? I think there is a lot of things to transform in medicine. We talked about AI, we talked about the challenge to be an entrepreneur, to make the change in the healthcare system, and about how medical students can can become entrepreneurs as well. I, I just want to give the advice that we should we should learn about how, how we're gonna drive ourselves and how we're gonna drive our life. It's it's really bad to see some friends and some people that I really love sometimes complaining about their decisions in the past and their presence like like it's something that can can't be changed. And that's not a truth. So being a doctor is a really good thing. Helping people, it's a really good thing. And the life is something that you can change every time, that you can make another decision and start again. That's a, that's a privilege that we have as a human being, as a, as a young doctor. And I think that you guys that are hearing that should always be questioning yourselves if I'm feeling just comfortable where I am, if I'm really happy because... That everything is going to be really fast in our lives. And, and when you look back, we shouldn't be regrets about our decisions. So just take a look at what you're doing. Just take a look why you became a doctor, why you became a professional. And start to thinking that it's never late to make different decisions. You're talking about stoicism and how you're going to lead, how you're going to let the things work in us. We have all the power to make the change and to make decisions and decide how it's going to affect us. So just give an attention for this. Don't let the life just pass through you and make the choice that's going to make you happy. When you got to like 80 years old, you're going to say, oh, that's the, the life that I want to live. That's awesome, Bruno. Well, I really appreciate not just your thoughts on medical education and healthcare in Brazil, but but frankly, more importantly, the the, the philosophical components of, of trying to, you know, be the best human, be the best physician, be the best entrepreneur you can be. So I really want to congratulate you on everything you've achieved with uh, PepBed and, and Afia. Very excited to see what you do next, if there's another chapter in you for entrepreneurship and looking forward to hopefully meeting one day in person. 
Great. It was great to participate from your podcast. I'm really happy to be here with you guys. Thanks again. And with that, I'm Shigliglani. Thank you to our audience for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to raise the line and strengthen our healthcare system. We're all this together. Take care. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our episodes at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast.